So all aboard the train, the hype train. Choo choo. Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Basketball Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's happening? Yeah, it's a it's a great day to be a Bearcat fan. Right on, bro. Hummer, interesting week for the Cincinnati Bearcats. Yesterday they they finished off Tulsa in a thorough domination, twenty four to thirteen victory, and during that game. Brian Would you Kelly. call it thorough domination? Would you call it that? I don't know if you can classify it as thorough domination. It might be. It might be a bit generous. I would say on the defensive side, it was a thorough domination. Offensively, <laughs> ooh, a lot of the a lot of stuff left on the table there. The green wave. What is a green wave? They're not the. They're not the green wave. That would be Tulane. Oh, that's Tulane. Yeah, I'm not sure. What is? The, what are the Tulsas? Silence as we type away on our iPhones. <laughs> They're Tulsa the golden. Tulsa, <laughs> Tulsa is the golden hurricanes. The golden hurricanes. Yes. Is that like a dust storm? To me, it's, yeah. That must be a, a dust storm because there are certainly no hurricanes or beaches to have hurricanes in Tulsa, Oklahoma. But this game was not just a, a football game for Cincinnati fans. The 2009 UC football team was also being honored. And surprisingly, Brian Kelly, head coach of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, accepted the invitation and came back to Cincinnati to be honored with the team, which left Cincinnati fans tied in knots over how we should react going into the game. And when Brian Kelly's name is announced, should you clap? Should you stand up and clap? Should you sit down? Should you boo? Should you remain silent? There were opinions all over the place. How did you feel about Brian Kelly returning for this this team honor? This is a true test of character for the city of Cincinnati. And as we know, in Cincinnati, no one can ever agree on what is proper etiquette unless it's Bob Huggins entering the arena. That's the only time you hear a resounding cheer for an ex-coach. I'm almost positive Cronin's going to come to a reign of booze as well. Uh, but... From my, my standpoint, look, 2009 was a fantastic, fantastically fun season. 2008 was an, is equally as fun, uh, especially our trip down to Miami where I went down to go to the Orange Bowl but did, in fact, not go to the game. Uh, that, w- that, was a, that was a blast. Life choices, but, folks. Make sure yeah. you're, you're tight on your life choices and, and who you're spending your time with. Yeah, choose wisely. Um, that's, that's the words of wisdom for the day, but no, 2000 and 2009 was a really good season. Uh, you know, two of the highlights that stand out, obviously the pit game. I went up there with, uh, with Sam Elliott's been a guest on here. Camp Happy's also been a guest on here for our baseball episode. And we stayed in Pittsburgh. We watched the game. We probably almost got in a fight. I think we slapped bangle stickers on two seats at, at the Steeler stadium. Uh, we were singing the fight song all the way through the streets of downtown Pittsburgh and we had a blast that season. And regardless of the outcome, you know, of, of, of Kelly leaving, we even stopped. We watched the Nebraska-Texas game at an OSU bar. We got a Longhorn fan who came up as this weird, like, power move, if you would, with, like, the, the what do you want to call it, the, the Longhorns. The horns. And like, yeah, the oh, hand Fuck horns. yeah. 
Uh, All you got to do we... is turn them, just turn them upside down next time. Really, really <laughs> hurts their feelings. Uh, but no, that was a lot of fun. And then you get back and you get the news. Brian Kelly's leaving. Uh, you're upset. You're angry. Everybody. I don't think there was a single person in, in Cincinnati who was like, you know what? This is okay. This is great. I think we're going to do fine. Everybody was, was angry. There wasn't a single person who was just like, well, yeah, that's, that's good. That's, that's good. Alex, tell me, tell me more. Uh, no one was like that. So yeah, there, there should be some angry feelings, but it's 10 years later. It's about the team. They're inducting the team into the Hall of Fame, not just Brian Kelly. So in that sense, I think giving this team the respect, and if you want, just sit silently when Brian Kelly's up there. <laughs> right. I, I kind of, I'm over the whole premeditated reactions. You know, if, if you want to be upset at Brian Kelly, be upset at Brian Kelly. It was a great season. It would I would have loved to have our full coaching staff and, and a fully equipped team for the bowl game. Unlike you, I was actually out of the country for most of that season, and the only game I was able to attend in person was Rutgers. was the Sugar Bowl. No, it wasn't Rutgers. It was oh, the Sugar that's Bowl. That's right. You I watched came back it from our house. I came back only for what was basically the the most productive game of Tim Tebow's glorious career with the Florida Gators. But it was a great season, and I'm fine with Brian Kelly coming back to be honored with the team. His accomplishments with the program are undeniable. He moved us forward. He changed the bar for what we could accomplish as a UC football program. But at the same time, he just jumped ship and abandoned us. And I'm not sure why I should have positive feelings about Brian Kelly. So I'm well, as we I'm, just learned, it wasn't for money. <laughs> that's that's the crazy part is it was not for money. A lot of people think he went to, to Notre Dame for money. But uh, Luke Fickle actually makes more than Brian Kelly to this day on their contract. So let me push back on that. We only know what they're disclosing. University of Notre Dame does not have to disclose. We don't know what his bonus structure is. We don't know what his bonus structure is. I'm most positive that Brian Kelly is making more money than Luke Fickle. So let's pump the brakes a little bit, sir. Pump the brakes. This is coming straight from USA Today. All right. This is real news. This isn't fake CNN news. But it is interesting to think a lot of the talk this week leading up to the Tulsa game with regard to Luke Fickle was how is UC going to keep him? Are we going to have the funds to keep him? Is he going to want to take a different job? Hummer, any thoughts on this? Here we go. Here we go. Oh Lord. All right. So I think it's time to take, take UC's fans and take our perspective of what this university is capable of from a financial perspective and put our real goggles on here. Let's put real vision on. Uh, I know a lot of people are asking is, Luke Fickle or Frank Beamer. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Frank Beamer was a longtime head coach, Virginia Tech. Could have gotten picked off from other bigger programs, but didn't. He stayed, uh, which is fine. Luke Fickle can be that guy. But the thing the university is not going to be able to do, in my opinion, is be able to throw a few more million dollars at him. One, there's a nice article came out from the news record stating talking about the four-year budget deficit of the of the athletic department. $102 million over the last four years. Average that out. That sounds like $25 a lot. million dollars a year. That sounds, sounds like, like a lot. lot. They're pulling it from the general funds. They're pulling it from tuition. To come back and say, all right, you know what? We're going to spend $3.5 million a year. And, and where I get that $3.5 million is this. If you want to take in comparison to Virginia Tech, their budget overall for head coach and assistant coaching staff is about $3.5 million more than what we currently spend today. So – Take that over five years, and we're at, what, $16.5 million over five years that we now have to go ask boosters to pay for. 
which we've already asked them to spend hundreds of millions of dollars on a stadium, stadium renovations. But then on top of that, if basketball at the same time is also doing its thing and becoming great, now all of a sudden we're like, how are we going to keep Brandon? Well, yeah. now we got to make him equal to the next the next tier programs, which is adding another 16. So now we're asking for $30 million over five years from boosters. And and it's that's not chump change. You're asking a significant investment in these guys. And and for the guys to say, well, we've shown strong arm moves before. Cronin's renegotiated salary before he left UCL with data agreed on was $1.8 million more over five years. That's it. <laughs> That's it. it not much of a strong arm. Not, not much, much of a strong, strong arm. arm. To say that he went from uh, what, what what did they offer him? Two point five up to three point three million. All right, the three point three million included a one time one time bonus retention bonus to be paid out at the end of this season. That's it. After that, it went back to his two point five base salary. That's it. And that was already negotiated in his previous contract extension back in 2016. They added no significant money. It wasn't a power move. If they wanted to keep Cronin and show a power move, they would have offered him what what UCLA did, 3.2 million, right. with incentives. You feel good? I you feel you feel better? A little bit. <laughs> no, All I think... I'm saying is, I don't, I don't think there. I don't think it's is as easy as fans think to say, oh well, let's just pay him a few more million dollars. It's not, and it's going to be. It's going to come down to tough choices for the programs. What I'm hearing from you is that if Luke Fickle is interested in in making significantly more money as a football coach, it's going to be hard to keep him if you're the UC Bearcats, right? I, I do, but I also think, you know, there's some coaches out there that proximity is a is an important important piece to this. So if I'm looking at Luke Fickle, I'm looking at where he came from. He was at Ohio State defensive coordinator that's the perfect position to being poached off and becoming a first-time head coach he was there for years under national championship teams as well he came to cincinnati he could have probably gone elsewhere i'm, I'm thinking he Maybe. chose this chose it because of proximity i don't know he his reputation had been a little bit tarnished based on the the one sub year he had at ohio state things went really off the rails but we've dedicated about 10 plus minutes of this basketball podcast to UC football. I hope Luke Fickle can keep things going, but at the end of the day, my personal opinion, not going to be surprised if and when he does get poached off by a bigger program with more resources and funding for their football team. And at the end of the day, I'm more personally invested in making sure our athletic department is taking the steps to make our basketball team the best it can be. Well, you know, that was Huggins' philosophy, and everybody loves Huggins, so therefore everybody must love this opinion. (laughs) I'm with you. So getting into the basketball team, there was a couple different basketball writers on the national side, both for CBS, Matt Norlander, as well as Jeff Borzello at ESPN, who put out articles this week that were contrary to the, the tepid feelings I think the fan base has had from an expectation standpoint for the basketball team. I've heard some chatter in the local community about just hoping we make the, the tournament, we might be a bubble team. You know, it's let's pump the brakes on having super high expectations. Reading these articles from Borzello and Norlander, there should be no bubble talk. There should be no tempered expectations. We should have high expectations that John Brandon not only gets us to the tournament, but is making a serious run to that second weekend. In Norlander's case, he identified UC as one of the 16 teams that can win the NCAA tournament. I mean, duh. 
I don't. I mean, you don't want to say dub, but look, Jaron Cumberland is now on the short list for the John Wooden Award, the best player in college basketball award. All right, what do all national championship teams have in common? They have someone generally from that list on their team, and we have that. But more importantly, we have a, guy, a group of guys that surround him that it's not going to be a one-man show. This isn't this isn't going to be just Jaron Cumberland taking the team on his back, almost in a similar fashion that when Sean Kilpatrick was on this team, not that he didn't have a great supporting, a decent supporting cast. I don't want to say great, but it was kind of the ride or die Sean Kilpatrick. If he scored 22 points that game, we won. If he only scored 10, generally we lost. That's not going to be this year. I do not believe that. I think with guys like Javon Cumberland coming in to be able to, to shoot the three. I think with my boy Trey Scott being able to come <laughs> off and show his improved shooting abilities. I had to say that. I had to had to make you laugh. Uh, do we have the counter yet? Do we have the counter? That's only. I think it's two. Yeah, two I'm going to start adding in the audio for for dinging every single time <laughs> you mention Trey Scott on this podcast. Ding. Uh, but no, I think there's there's a lot that goes into this team that makes it that's going to make it special. You know, it's kind of funny where if i'm looking at it and comparing it to was it was it mick cronin's best team ever the uh was it the 2017 2018 team yes that team that was, that, yes are we sure well according to our boy john rothstein uh noted mick cronin fan he would say that this ucla team is the most talented team mick cronin has had even factoring in all 13 years of cincinnati really john really more talented than the 2017-2018 team that got the two seed in the NCAA tournament, got a 22-point lead against Nevada in the second round, and blew a 22-point lead with, with 11 minutes to go. It's Sent two players to the NBA. The amount of hyperbole that comes out of Rothstein's mouth as it relates to Mick Cronin, I am very much overhearing it. That team is not that talented, not that good. My boy Ken Pomroy just dropped his preseason rankings. Where's UC coming in? 27th in the country where's ucla coming in 107th in the country you're telling me mick cronin would prefer to have that ucla roster rather than this bearcats roster that has jaron cumberland preseason all-american please what, what, we have, what, do you, what do you think that pillow talk sounds like at night is it super soft <laughs> just cronin is whisper in, in john's ear yes this is this is my best team ever you should you should totally do a Twitter article. I'll give you unlimited access to UCLA and their post-game press conferences. You'll be the first one to ask a question. Uh, fantastic, Hummer. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's clear as day that we've got a heck of a team here in Cincinnati, and we should have high expectations. Obviously, Norlander, Borzello. When they talk about the Cats, they really they do leave it to surface-level commentary. A lot of it hinges on Jaron Cumberland being healthy, Jaron Cumberland being the stud that he was in 2018. Sorry, 2018-19. But when you factor in some of the talent we've added on the wings with Javin, with Zach Harvey, with Micah, with Chris McNeil, the ultimate leader, um, it's clear that we should have high expectations for this team, and we should be excited. We've got some great out-of-conference matchups coming out coming out of the gate, especially going up to Ohio State. And um, things are exciting we, for the can Bearcats. Can we touch on that real quick? Because with the two that I think we both I think we both had put down losses at Ohio State when we went through our initial roster matchups without knowing 
too much about what's going on with this team without having seen or heard anybody talking about them in practice. I'm going to go ahead and revise my pick. I want to take UC to win that matchup. To the, the Ohio State game? Yes. Wow, because I just mentioned Ken Pomeroy a second ago. He, he's showing Ohio State as the number 11 preseason team. That would be a hell of a way to start out the season, and really the, the John Brandon era would be a victory I think at Ohio teams- State. I think teams are going to have a, a hard time adjusting to it. They're going to see all the tape from previous seasons. They're not going to have anything new, but we're going to have the same players playing a different style of basketball. So I think that's going to be hard to match up against the very the first few games as people are figuring out what are these new cats. Yeah, the biggest difference year over year is always it goes back to style of play and goes back to having more offensive talent, but then running in a system that is predicated on being more efficient in scoring better ball movement, and not being afraid to shoot the ball early in the shot clock. So I, I'm i with it. I'm with what Borzell is uh, selling. I'm with what Norlander is selling. And I'm excited to see how it how it actually play, plays out here in a few weeks. We haven't gotten into what Borzello was saying. So Borzello, ESPN writer, essentially was writing an article about new coach expectations. And in Tier 1, which is basically a sure, sure NCAA tournament appearance, that was UC and John Brandon. Duh. Correct. There's there's just no reason to have any doubts about that. We're not a bubble team. And if we are a ba- bubble team, I would say, barring injuries, it's a it's a failure of John Brandon in year one. So we should have really high expectations. The bar has been set high by Mick, and we're expecting it to be built upon and carried forward by Brandon in his first year. If we don't make the tournament this year, if we're a bubble team, this is a failure. That's I think that's that's a, tr- a true statement. I mean, I'm, you know, like I said, as we're learning more about this team, we started off excited that that Cats was giving us. Well, I was like a 10 seed. I was OK with that. I'm starting to readjust what I'm thinking about this team going forward to I'm thinking I'm going to be disappointed even with a 10 seed. I want to be more solidly in the tournament. Um, and I think that's where we're going to be. This this roster, just top to bottom, I think is has some talented players. Uh which I think getting into it, weren't you surprised by Alex Meacham's declaration that Mamadou Diara is not a big man? Well, I don't know if it was as much of a declaration. It did seem, what he said was, he doesn't see Mamadou as a big man, which that was based upon me asking a question about what do you see, who's, show, who's showing you good good production in practice between Vote, Soroya, and Diara, I'm curious who's who's stepping up to fill that that void we have at the five. And his response was essentially saying he doesn't see see Diara as a five. And I'll just say this: if Diara is not a five and he's not a big man, what is he? He doesn't handle the ball. He's not going to be creating for others. And he's six nine. So yeah, in my opinion, he is supposed to fill that void as a big man. Now he more maybe he's more in the mold of a modern big. Someone who does stretch the floor. He's more of a pick and pop guy, not as much of a finisher at the rim. And those things all might be true. It doesn't change the fact that on the defensive side of the ball, he's going to be guarding bigger players. Players are going to be playing in the post and he'll be relied upon to control the boards and things of that nature, which at the end of the day does make you classify as a big man. Also this week, Hummer, a a American Athletic Conference media day. We were picked to finish third by the coaches is that offensive yes 100 percent offensive uh granted 
I don't want to say it's, a, it's an egregious offense um, to say that we're we're not going to finish number one. I think if you take Memphis, look at what they have top to bottom. All right, I'm not going to fault you if you want to pick them over us. I think you're stupid. I think you're wrong. But uh, I, I definitely think that we're better than Houston. I think Kelvin Sampson's getting a lot of credit. He lost two of his best scores, two guys that were combining for you know over over 25 points a game, and to say that you're just going to have you know some basically what amounts to two freshmen or, or no, now sophomores coming in to replace that kind of production for him. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't. I'm not buying it. I'm thinking that with with when you have a top five player in college basketball on your roster, that's that's going to propel you to the top of the conference uh, in, in fighting for that, that regular season title. Yeah. I'm not surprised at all by Memphis being voted the fir- to finish first in the league. Their, their roster talent is exceptional. What Penny's Wiseman's doing is exciting. Yeah. Wiseman. We've talked about him before, but putting Houston above us feels a lot like the, the league's coaches believing in Kelvin Sampson more so than believing in the roster talent of the Cincinnati Bearcats. And therefore it's, don't forget a son. And so, yeah, somewhat of an indictment on how they might feel about John Brandon and just seeing how he can execute with Mick Cronin's players. And we'll see. I would I would think we're much more appropriately rated as the as a top two team in the conference preseason rather than third. I certainly hope we prove that out as the season goes on. I will. What was interesting, the lone first place vote given by any coach in the American Athletic was from Penny Hardaway. So respect is not lost on his side. He sees Jaron Cumberland and the rest of the roster as a viable threat to win the conference. I didn't see that. Penny Penny gave us the the lone first place vote. Correct. Our our lone first place vote preseason was from Penny Hardaway. So maybe God, maybe some mind games, maybe some head games, but he he's he's making the right moves preseason by giving us some respect based on Jaron Cumberland and uh, maybe the new offensive system. I'm still feeling a little a little slighted by. Uh, Love him, Demar Johnson. Be like, oh man, I would have, I would have played for Penny. <laughs> Making moves like that too. <laughs> I know. Pump the brakes, Demar. So much respect. <laughs> what we did, the person who did receive respect though from the American Athletic was Jaron Cumberland. He was voted the preseason Player of the Year in the conference. Expected to defend his title. Good to see. I would say deserved acclaim, deserved praise preseason. And yeah, I expect him to win Player of the Year again in the conference. Oh, no doubt. I mean, let's face it; it hardly ever goes to a freshman. Wiseman has a chance, obviously, with with the talent that he has. Probably being that he's a a one and done type talent too. Uh, you know, he definitely has a shot at it. But Cumberland, with his experience in the league, ex- or experience in the league, experience in college basketball, experience in this system, familiarity with his players. I definitely think he's going to come out of the gate just hitting it hard. I also, you know, we've talked about this too. I know, you know, with our interview with uh, with Demar, he mentioned that there's some intangibles that just aren't going to happen for Cumberland, being that he can't grow taller, he he can't get more athletic, but some some things he can do is improve some of his technical skills, mm-hmm. which I would expect that from him this year. I think he's always been a great passer. He's always been a great a great shooter, but those are some of the things I think he's going to be able to improve upon. Yeah, um, maybe playing a little bit more off of off of a pick and roll. I think Demar was providing pretty candid feedback about Jaron's ability to translate to the next level. Based on look, he's limited in terms of how tall he is. He's not the most athletic or explosive player, but what he has done is proven that he's a bulldog in the league. He can dominate at the college level, 
maybe it ends up not translating that well to the NBA, but there's no reason that he can't continue to be a dominant force for UC and in the American Athletic Conference. Uh, 100%. But I think we're going to also see, like, I do think we're going to see some improvement from some of these guys. I'm, I know we're going to hit on it. I'm going to hit on it again. Let's ring the bell a third time. Uh, Trey Scott, that's a guy that I'm looking to really greatly improve this year. Just if I'm looking where he left off last year, I think Trey Scott is going to have a bigger part, a bigger role than what he's had in the past. He's shown, you know, when it counted over a sustained period of time that he got his points up into the 13, 14 points per game. He's been working on his pick and roll this offseason. You're going to have guys like Keith Williams, too. Like, we're just going to be so freaking good. It's going to be unbelievable. Keith Williams, Trevor Moore, Trey Scott, Mamadou Diara, Javen Cumberland, Zach Harvey. We don't talk enough about Keith Williams on this podcast, honestly. We For don't. a guy who's coming back is pretty clearly the second or third best player on the team. Uh, the ability to have an impact on the defensive side of the ball, the ability to grab rebounds that other guards just can't grab. If he does fit John and Brandon's system as well as John Brandon says he does, he might be in for the most surprising season of any any Bearcat. I think he is setting up that way, and I think you're you're fair to say second best player on the team. Javen Cumberland's good. He's going to be the best probably pure shooter on this team. But Keith Williams, all around, I think, is going to be the, the, the second best player on this team. It is exciting to hear what Meacham and other folks take away from practice, which is that Javik could just straight up shoot the ball. And we haven't had a true knockdown player in quite a, quite a while. But if he can handle the rock a little bit, knock down threes at the rate he, they say he can knock down threes, he's going to be a dynamite number two next to, to Jaron. And pairing that backcourt with Keith Williams, that one, two, three is incredible. I love the depth, and it's it's very exciting to be a Bearcat fan. Absolutely, I mean let's let's look at too some of the other comments we've heard, or maybe more of our observations. It seems that we're going to be running more of an NBA style offense. We're going to value the three more. Grant, this team can't dunk, from what I hear from Midnight Madness, but we're going to value inside shots. Uh, but you know we're we're going to value threes, and we're going to value very high percentage shots. We're, it doesn't seem like we're going to be looking for mid-range jumpers, which seem to also be a staple of the Cronin era. Um, so look at the type of guys that are that are on this team right now. We're actually being able to see them utilized in what's probably a proper way for them. So excited for this season. And what are we, two weeks away? We're, are we officially two weeks out or are yeah, we three we're, weeks? We're just about two weeks away from the start of the season. and Biggest honestly, upset of the year, game one. It will be fun to see. I think our first preseason game is going to be on, on Halloween, so we're coming up on that as well, um, outside of the behind-closed-doors scrimmage that they're going to have with Dayton coming up here this week. But, yeah, I think the uh, the team is talented. The hype machine is alive and well, and it's time for Bearcat basketball fans to start realizing that this is a team we should be just as excited about as we were in 2017, 2018. Um, if not more. If not more, especially because of the new coach and the new direction of the program, it's going to be a great year for the Bearcats. If you like the podcast, follow us on Twitter at Cincy Slangin. Visit our website, www.cincyslangin.com. Hit follow, like us, retweet us, love us, help us beat the algorithms, get us to the top. We're moving up the iTunes charts. We're trying to be your number one source of Bearcat water cooler talk. We love you. We've come to that point of the podcast, Hummer, where it is time to sign off with a dedication of a former UC Bearcat. 
Last week, DeMar changed course for us. Shouted out Bob Huggins. Truly well appreciated. A great change of pace. Who are we dedicating this week's Cincy Slang and Bearcat Basketball Podcast to? Ruben Patterson. Ooh, what made you think about Ruben Patterson this week? Well, you can't see it, but on my wall, I have a picture of Ruben Patterson just throwing down the nastiest dunks. And uh, we're talking about high percentage shots. We're talking about just, uh, you know, different style of play and, you know, just the difference between what we had with Huggins and and Cronin. I think those were even two different styles of play at times, maybe because uh, Huggins had way better talented teams than anything that Cronin ever had except for possibly that 17 18 year um sorry asterisk yeah no ruben was a uh, ruben was a, a tremendous slasher tremendous finisher for the program and once he got to the nba a true kobe stopper a self-proclaimed kobe stopper at the next level which was pretty comical given that he did not really succeed in stopping kobe bryant but ruben patterson this one is for you sir cheers to your great career with the Cincinnati Bearcats. Look what I done in my life. I had to count it, then count it again to make sure the money was right. They love to talk. Me, I'm just done in a hype. Me, I'm just done in a hype. Me, I'm just done, 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 done. I don't take this shit for granted. I do my own propaganda. I feel like June Santana. Leg hanging out the fan on. Six cold like Alaska. Views already a classic. Roy out of here like NASA.